Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Praise God. Good to see everybody this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Lovely, lovely day in Tulsa. Love the fall when you can put on a nice sweater and a coat and, or a nice scarf, you know. I used to have about seven different scarves, all cashmere, all different colors. Because going to Mongolia and pastoring our church in Mongolia, I always came home with cashmere scarves. So I had a scarf for every suit I owned, but I lost them all, one by one by one. Then my favorite scarf, my beautiful yak, it was a, it was a beige yak scarf, I believe that the guy I was trying to disciple with all the tattoos, I believe he stole it. The last time I saw it, I was with him, so it disappeared along with our baptismal clothes, you know, all the baptismal clothes we bought disappeared, but um, at least we know it went to a needy family, that's for sure. <laughs> so I lost, I think, honey, do we have any real nice scarves left? Or are they all gone? I'm going to have to go back to Mongolia, hallelujah. <laughs> but uh, definitely don't want to take any vaccines, that's for sure. Bishop, uh, Pastor Rod Parsley, Apostle Rod Parsley was uh, in his service today was talking about taking his church to Israel. Well, he's been vaccinated. He got the vaccine. So he was talking about going, taking the church to Israel. And I got to say, I was quite jealous. But after this ordeal with the blood clots, I definitely don't want to take any vaccine. Amen. Uh, you know, because that's one of the side effects of the vaccine. And also, uh, some the doctor also said that she felt that blood clotting was also a side effect of coronavirus. And I said, are you sure it's not just the vaccine? She said, no, the coronavirus too. I'm not quite sure about that doctor's data, however, because uh, I, I, I didn't know anybody with coronavirus last year that had blood clotting. All the blood clotting started really with the Johnson & Johnson vaccines, if, if you guys recall, you know. So I know many of us have quite, quite have had our finger on the pulse about the whole corona thing I had from the beginning, from last January, and uh, I didn't hear anybody blood clotting from corona, you know, I only heard it from the, vi from the vaccines, so, you know, I'm not quite sure about that, but either way, uh, I'm not going to be in line uh, very soon to get a vaccine, i tell you that for sure, you know, but if the nation's uh, all the nations internationally require that, then, you know, that might be something to, that I would pray about at least. However, I just found out that I have a friend at Walgreens that could possibly get me 
of vaccination cards. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. If you get caught traveling with the fake one, though, I heard in America it's a federal crime. I heard it's a federal crime. But anyways, I probably shouldn't have mentioned the name of the pharmacy, right? But, you know, as of now, we're staying put right here in America, and there are still a few nations open uh, without the vaccine. But uh, we have got recent news yesterday that Chinese are now allowed to enter America if they have been fully vaccinated. So uh, in China, everyone has been vaccinated pretty much the whole country, including children. So that means that now my in-laws, my wife's sisters and brothers, they could possibly come visit us. So we might be uh, applying for their visas in the coming year and, and having some of them come to visit us. And they don't speak any English, so you will not get the fellowship with them, but you'll at least get to say hi and, you know, bow and like, you know, smile and, and they'll probably smile at you and wave and then that'll be the extent of your communication. But it'll be fun for our kids to have some of their family members come visit them and, and for my wife too. Amen. So let's get into the Word of God today. We're going to take a look here and we're going to start in 1 Corinthians. Uh, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I apologize about that a little earlier, evangelist. You said 1 Chronicles 2021, 20, and there was no uh, 1 Chronicles 2021. 20, the 1 Chronicles 20 goes with 17. But when I re-asked you, you mentioned 2121, so that I was able to catch up with Ornan. Ornan, amen. So praise God. Important part of Scripture to, to, to know. Very good, very good revelation you shared with us today. So we're taking a look here, and last week as I began to, to last week's introduction, I actually did not get a chance to even get past the first sentence. I think I just did the first sentence. But last week we were talking and continuing on a grasshopper leadership, talking about how the leaders of Israel saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so that is how their enemy saw them. How you see yourself, of course, is how also the devil will see you. How you see yourself is how the devil will see you. And I had told you the story about one of our deacons when he was in Mongolia. There was a demoniac manifesting and the demon called, read his mail. The demon said, you don't have any power. And our deacon, Deacon Eric Moore in Beijing, he turned white as a ghost, and he ran away from the demon. He turned and said, he just, you know, scared him to death, you know, because the demon was, Rah! and he walked up, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And the demon said, you don't have any power. And he said, he turned white as a ghost, and he ran. So we had to have Pastor Robert come, and you know the story, he pulled out his wood cross, and then the <laughs> demon chewed his cross up and spit it out, and, you know. And as the story progresses, I've told you the story, as the story progresses for the next three hours of the crusade, Pastor Robert was in the deliverance room wrestling with the demon to come out. Finally, three hours after the crusade was over, I was sweaty and tired, walking out the back door, and they said, Bishop, Bishop, you have to help Pastor Robert. He's trying to cast that demon out still. And I said, oh, gosh. I said you got to be kidding me. He's still back there with that demon? They said, yeah. I walked in the room and Pastor Robert, you guys all know Pastor Robert with the tie, you know. Pastor Robert was sweating. 
for the first time I've ever seen him with his tie off. You guys, you know Pastor Robert, right, with the tie, the white shirt and the tie? Tall Robert. His tie was off. He was sweating. His shirt was soaking wet. And he was panting. And he was on the floor. And she was on the floor. And he turned to me and he said, Oh, Bishop, this is a real strong one. This, this demon uh, speaks Russian. And then I said, really? This demon speaks Russian? Well, I found out that the, the, the lady is from Russia. She looks Mongolian, but she's actually Russian. She's a, like an Asian, you know, in the southern part of Russia, there's Asian people that are actually Russian. And so he thought that it was the demon speaking Russian. Actually, you know, she was from Russia and she spoke English and Mongolian. So he thought it was like the demon was bilingual, which I'm sure a demon can be, right? But, you know, in the commotion, the demon's appearing much more powerful than, than it is, right? So he's like, this demon's very powerful. This one speaks Russian, you know? And so... He's sweating. She's on the floor growling. He's on the floor sweating and tired. And so I said, okay, Pastor Robert, I said, everyone get up, leave the room. And I walked over to, to the lady and I told her friend, I said, what's her name? And he told me her name. So I used, you know, my authority and I called her human spirit back into her body. So I called her human spirit back into her body and I said, stand up, come with me. We stood up, we walked into the church, I sat down, I hugged her, she began to confess all her sins, and immediately the demons came out of her and she was delivered. And I hugged her, she wept on my shoulder, and today she's a worship leader now at the Mongolian University, a Christian university. Amen. I didn't have to wrestle three hours in the floor sweating with the demon to get it to come out. Amen. Amen. Demons know who you think you are. And if you think you're a, it's, this is going to be a hard one and it's going to take you hours and you're going to have to really fight this one, guess what? You're going to have to really fight that one and it's going to take you hours because what, how you think in the, in, in, in the natural is evident in the spirit realm and the demons can see that. So they told, this, this same demon told Deacon Eric, you don't have any power. Well, is that true? That this born again... Christian, washed in the blood, fire baptized, doesn't have any power? That's not true. That's a lie. That, but it was true because according to your faith, be it unto you. So he was living in a reality that wasn't actual fact, but he was suffering in spiritual authority because that's how he saw himself. He saw himself as weak. He saw himself as incomplete. He saw himself as unqualified. And so that's how the demons saw him in the same way. I remember one time I was casting out a demon. I made sure you the story. And the demon said, shut up, fatso. And I said, no, you shut up. Because the demon was assuming that I would be insecure because I was fat. Well, the demon don't know. I see myself as skinny. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, like Sister Melissa was saying when she came to visit me in the hospital. She's like, I don't see myself big. I see myself skinny. I said, I have the same problem too. Hallelujah. I don't see myself as a fat guy. How do you think I approach such a beautiful, thin lady? Hallelujah. Because I don't see myself as a fat guy. So the devil says, shut up, fat. So I looked. I thought he was talking to someone behind me. I said, come out of Jesus' name. 
Who's he talking? Not talking to me. Amen. Because how you see yourself is also how you're seen. How you see yourself is also how you're seen. So it's interesting that Daniel now is noted by the king. The king of Babylon sees Daniel as Belshazzar. Belshazzar translated meaning the deity, the chief. Let me, let me, let me, let me say that again. The chief deity of Babylon. So the king is looking at Daniel as the most powerful guy in the country. Imagine that. Hallelujah. Imagine the, the president looking at a, a pastor in America as the most powerful man in the nation. Isn't that something? Well, that's the way it should be. Amen. And unfortunately, some people want to earn that right before they've earned it. And we have some guy, and I think it was in the, in the Congo, when the new pre, newly elected president, he's a born-again Christian, he got put in the office after Duncan Williams called him out. He was just a nobody. He was just an average nobody. And, 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 and Archbishop Duncan Williams called him out, prophesied he would become the president, anointed him as president. And lo and behold, years down the road, this man became the president of the Congo, the DRC, Democratic Republic of the Congo. And now this guy is now a born-again believer. And would you believe some Joe Blow prophet in the jungle of, of Congo has the audacity to, to, to tell, the, tell the president, you have to come to my church to come see me. If you don't obey the words of the prophet, you're going to be a disobedience to God. Come to my church to see me. What a, what a fool. You think the president went down to go see that prophet? Absolutely not. What a fool. See, he thought of himself more highly than he ought. The truth is, as, as, a, as, a, as a man of God, you can get to that place, but you got to get to that place before you try and act like it. And we have a lot of actors trying to imitate and act like something that they don't have. But Daniel had it. Say he had it. Peter had it. Say he had it. Peter says, such as I have, give I to you. But people try and give something they don't have. Hallelujah. This remind me of this one preacher. This guy was in a wheelchair, came up in the wheelchair. I'm not going to say the preacher's name because probably be, most of you know who he is. And he said, he, the guy was in a wheelchair. I know the guy. It was my church. We were at Living Word, Bill Winston's church. And this guest pastor called up, called up this guy that we all know, a friend of ours in the wheelchair. He was in a wheelchair because he can't walk, not because he shouldn't, but he couldn't walk. He, had the, he was totally paralyzed. He had to drive a car with buttons. He had this car where you could just push buttons to brake and different things. So he would come to church every week, and he drove from like an hour away or an hour and a half, two hours away, and we all knew him. And so the, so the, the guest speaker calls him up to the front, and he says, he, and he slaps him. I don't think he said anything. He just slapped him. Full, long slap. Now, I'm in Bill Winston's church. There's like, you know, 12,000 people there. And he slaps the guy full strength. And the guest speaker was about six foot five, 260 pounds. And he, boom, slapped him across the face. The whole wheelchair fell over. And then he, he says, get up. 
And the guy's like, you know, he's trying to pull up with his upper body because his lower body has no strength. And he says, get up. And he's trying to pull himself up. He can't get up because he was not healed. So finally, the ushers pull the chair back up. And he says, I'm going to slap you again. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. You know, I believe in the word of God. I believe in miracles. I believe in faith. But I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to believe in the, in the, you know, like I believe in miracles. I believe in the testimonies. But I just saw my friend in a wheelchair get slapped out of his chair, you know. So, you know, I'm processing through. I don't want to be doubting, right? But at the same time, you know, does this preacher have what he thinks he has, right? So, he, now, not that he couldn't have it, but does he have it right now? Not that Deacon Eric couldn't cast that devil out. Not that Pastor Robert couldn't cast devil out. But is that where they were at right now? Do you understand me? So then he says, I'm going to slap you again. As soon as I slap you, come jump out of that chair. And so the guys, because what the word of faith people do and the faith people is they try and blame you that you don't have faith when, when the miracles don't happen, right? So he says, so the guy says, all right, all right, pastor. He says, hit me again, hit me again. I'll take it. I'm getting up out of this wheelchair. So he was full of faith, you know. So the pastor uh, this time backhands him, goes backwards, whack, even harder. So I was like, ooh, I'm watching. I like cringe, you know. You know, I'm pointing my hands, speaking in tongues, you know. And he's like, now get up, get up in Jesus' name. The guy never got up. Guy never got healed. Now, theologically speaking, we could say he was healed. We could say he was healed 2,000 years ago at the cross. We could say he was healed before the foundations of the earth because that's when the lamb was slain. So we could say all this theological stuff, but sometimes we need to be practical. The man is paralyzed. And so... He's getting slapped around as this pastor is trying to work a miracle that he don't have the miracle power to do. And so now here's this guy just slapped all upside of the face. So I saw him afterwards. He's, he's wheeling through the church after service. And I, me and my friends, we were so worried about him. And we ran up, brother, how you doing? How you doing? And he's like, uh, you know, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Look, folks, that's not the kind of healing that we need to be believing for and seeing. We need to call a genuine miracle a miracle. Amen? Amen. So now here, the king recognizes Daniel as the chief deity of the nation. Why? Because Daniel could do something nobody else could do. And what was that? He could get revelation, divine knowledge about the king's dream that none of the sorcerers had. So now the king is recognizing the man of God as the chief deity. Hallelujah. You're not going to be known as the chief deity somewhere because you act like it, because you fake like it, because you talk like it. You have to produce the supernatural to be recognized as the chief deity. There's a lot of talkers, there's a lot of actors, there's a lot of fakers, but you have to have the real thing if the world is going to recognize you as the chief deity. So we said that truth, 
doesn't set you free. Truth makes you free. And truth transforms us. And we enter into uh, realms and dimensions and levels of freedom as the truths of God become manifestations in reality in our lives. We understand that truth is not a theology. Truth is not a concept. That truth is a person and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Now it's intimacy with that person, Jesus Christ, or or we could even say with Jesus Christ on earth, which would be the Holy Spirit. Amen. The anointing is the the, the energy of Jesus. It's like liquid Jesus. Amen. And so it's intimacy with the anointing, intimacy with the Holy Spirit, intimacy with Jesus that brings us into the depths, not just his ways, not just his acts, but into the depths of his person. You can either be a tool in God's hands, which is what I believe most ministers are. Tools in God's hands. Or you can be friends that he sends. Which do you want to be? You could be a friend that he sends, or you could be a tool in his hand. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people say, use me, God, use me, God. They want to be used by God, but they don't want to take the time to get to know God. Getting to know God is much more important. Amen? My son, when he was a baby, sometimes we would use diapers. That's very controversial to my family because my mother-in-law doesn't believe in diapers. But sometimes you would use diapers Some people in ministry are like diapers, to be used like a diaper, to be thrown away like a diaper. The Apostle Paul said, after I'm used by God, I myself do not want to be a castaway. He said, I crucify the flesh, I buffet the flesh, I deal with the flesh so that After I'm used by God, I'm not just used by God. And he says, cast away. The way I look at it is like a dirty diaper. Use it for a purpose, and when it gets dirty, you throw it away. That's why the Bible says, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I heal? Didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I win souls? Didn't I I do all these things? They They were tools in his hand. They were used like diapers. But it doesn't mean that God was backing them with them or for them. Now, God's arms are always open for them. God loves them. But if they're chasing after being tools in his hand versus friends that he sends, we give breed to something else. We give breed to people who know the acts and the works of God and try to cast out the demons and try to heal the sick and slap people out of wheelchairs, but they don't have it. They don't have it. And we don't want to admit that because we want to be nice. That's the problem sometimes is we're just trying too hard to be nice. Amen. Intimacy takes us into depths. God wants us to be friends that he sends. That's why we're we're pressing into God here. 
Pastor Augustine's, him, him and his, his uh, friends, and, and, and you know, in any one of the cities, welcome, praying tonight, seven to midnight. That's the night shift. My wife and Miss Montgomery, they're praying here every day, 6 a.m. That's the morning shift, hallelujah. And I'm in the afternoon shift, glory to God. I wake up at 9, 10, do my prayers in my new lazy boy. I got a lazy boy that, that, where the electric, the seat reclines, Bluetooth on my phone. I said, the apostles never had it so good, amen. <laughs> amen. But we're pressing in morning prayers, night prayers, all night prayers, October 30th. We're pressing in, we're pressing in to know God. Because it's not just about doing something and accomplishing something, but it's about knowing God, being friends that God sends. Amen. Intimacy is what helps you find your prophetic destiny. It's through intimacy with God. Amen. I like to say that it's not today's sermon, but God reminded me of it today, is that the result of marital intimacy is always giving birth to children. If you don't have people that are being saved and coming to the church with you, that's an evidence that there's a lack of intimacy in the relationship. Amen. Or evidence that maybe there's intimacy, but there's something spiritually wrong that you can't give birth. How many married couples are there they can't have children, could never get pregnant. Though there's intimacy, there's an issue with them. And that's why they can't give birth. So they need a, 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 a surgical correction or a spiritual, a miracle for them to give birth. But intimacy should always result in giving birth to children in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm. God established that with Adam and Eve. He said, multiply. How do they multiply? By looking at each other? It never ceases to amaze me in the church how many Christian women I met that told me they, they don't know how they got pregnant. I guess some of you have never heard that. I know, I know at least two women that have told me in church, I don't know how I got pregnant. Maybe they were holding hands, I guess. I, I don't know. But as a pastor, I always say, I, I just, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But that's a lot of doubt for me, I'm sorry to tell you. Scientifically, you understand my struggle. I want to believe you're so sincere and you're crying and you're telling me you don't know how. Well, I don't know, but I'm sorry, I wasn't born last night. I was born at night but not last night, hallelujah. I don't know how we got pregnant. You didn't do anything? I swear to God, we didn't do anything. Really? I guess the Virgin Mary was not the only miraculous conception, hallelujah. I'm not joking. I, I know these two people that told me they don't know how they got pregnant. They never did anything. My wife knows them too that claim that. That's not how God made things to work. This is not a lesson on biology or a teaching on the birds and the bees. But I have to tell you, things don't work that way. Maybe in 2021 you have to preach this because in 2021 they think men can get pregnant. That's what they believe. And for you to say, I believe it was, it was David Chappelle 
two weeks ago, comes out with a new comedy show. I know none of you know who Dave Chappelle is because your virgin ears would never listen to that kind of language. But there's a famous comedian named Dave Chappelle, and maybe, maybe number one in, um, in the world or in America, maybe him and Kevin Hart, he's one of the top, 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 came out with a new show, and the LGBTQ community demanded that he be removed from Netflix. Why? Because he said, there's nobody on planet Earth that did not come from between a woman's legs. And they are outraged that he would say such an offensive thing. I mean, I don't know about you, but how else would a human being come? There's only one way a human being comes, and it comes through, like Dave Chappelle so vulgarly said, through the the legs of a woman. And that now is not even acceptable. People are shocked to hear that. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but nobody is getting pregnant by holding hands. Something is happening because God designed it that way. And so God is the one that designed when Adam and Eve will be intimate that they would multiply. So multiplication comes from intimacy unless there's something wrong with you. So in our Christian life, if we see that we are not bringing people to Jesus, discipling people, having people born after our own spiritual walk, we have to say either, number one, we're not being intimate with the Holy Spirit, or number two, for some reason, I'm not producing, and I need a spiritual healing so that I can be a producing Christian. Because it's built in the nature of a believer. When you're intimate with God, you give birth to spiritual children, just like the natural. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is the foundation scripture. You should know it. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. John 17, verse 3. Let's look at John 17, verse 3. When you get there, say amen. John says this, and this is life eternal that they might know, and let's just say intimately know, right? Not just know of, like I I know of, well, I mean, I can't say Obama, I met Obama. I know of Trump, but I never met Trump. I don't intimately know Trump. I can read about him, I can watch him on TV, but I can't say I know Trump. I say I know Trump, that... You, if I said, I know Trump, you would interpret that as I have met him and I have spoken with him. I have some kind of relationship. If I said, I know Trump, right? But I don't know him. I know of him. Here, the inference is to intimately know. That they might intimately know thee, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Eternal life doesn't come from knowing about God. So sad. In a post-Christian culture that people think they know about God and that that suffices. They've been to church and that suffices. They know John 3.16 and that suffices. I even have a cousin my wife knows. I did his wedding a couple days ago. Grew up in church, knows so much about God, and somehow he thinks he's all right. But my poor cousin is lost and on his way to hell. But he was raised in church. He watched TBN 10 hours a day, forced to by his mother, of course, you know. Dragged to church, you know, his whole life. And he could get around Christians, and you would never guess he's not saved. He talks, oh, he's, oh, praise God, oh, amen. He says all those things, totally, totally heathen, wicked, not saved at all. But you would never guess. I went to the, I did his wedding. Him and his wife got married, and we had our cousins come from Guatemala, and they all think that he's like an on-fire Christian because he, he knows how to talk to Christians. And so we're sitting at the dinner table having the dinner banquet, and uh, they're all was talking. And then I mentioned something like, um, I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, my cousin, we're praying for him to get saved. They're like, oh. Everyone stopped and looked, what? I said, yeah, he's not saved. They're like, what? I said, yeah, he, don't, he hasn't been to church in 15 years. He's totally heathen. And they were like, oh, they, they were so shocked. And they got up from the table and they walked to the table and they started saying, oh, did you know Adam? Because he went down to Guatemala, spent time with them, and they all thought he was saved. Because when he's with them, he talks, he, he says what, he talks church talk. But he's not saved at all. Eternal life, having eternal life is not from, you went to church, you knew about God, but it's from having an intimate relationship with God. And the more intimate you are, the more of that eternal life comes on you. And people can feel it. People can sense it. People can see it. And it even will have an effect on your mortal body. It will even bring divine life in your mortal body. There was a man by the name uh, John G. Lake. He had a great healing ministry. And he, he talks about how, how his whole healing ministry was simply about having the life of God flowing through his body, and, and he had this man came into his office for prayer, came in with the cane. He walked in with the cane, came in for prayer, and, and, and John G. Lake stood up from his desk and walked over and began to talk to the guy, and they got lost in the conversation, making small talk. And then, after some time, the guy said, well, I got to get going. God bless, and he turned around and he walked out, walked down the hall towards the stairwell, and John G. Lake looked and saw that he had forgotten his cane. John G. Lake didn't take his cane. He had forgotten his cane. And so he saw he'd forgotten his cane, and he grabbed the cane, and he in the hallway. He said, hey, so you forgot something. And the man looked. He said, oh, I've been healed. Hallelujah. I've been healed. How glory to God. He said, you keep it. And the man went home healed. John G. Lake didn't have to pray for him. Didn't even have to lay hands on him. Matter of fact, his shadow didn't even have to touch him. He just had to come in the presence of eternal life, the life of God. And being in the presence of eternal life, the man was healed. Now, 
How did John G. Lake get that eternal life presence? From being in the closet, the prayer closet, in the secret place with eternal life. And that eternal life rubbing off on him. And that eternal life flowing through him. And that eternal life then residue, like the dew of the morning, resting upon him. Bringing life and healing not only to his flesh, but also enough to share with others. Eternal life comes from intimacy, from knowing God. Amen. We get sometimes so busy in ministry... You got people, a lot of people now, they get an encounter with God, they begin to operate in the supernatural, then they get busy in the ministry, like a Jim Baker, and Jim Baker finds himself in prison, opening up as Billy Graham goes to visit him, and he tells Billy Graham, he said, I haven't opened my Bible in years, except when I would come on PTL to, to give a sermon. I'd open it. But, for, but outside of, on the platform, I haven't opened my Bible for years. You see, once encountering eternal life can produce so much fruit that you continue to run in ministry without going back to that intimate place, running off the fumes until one day you're slapping people in wheelchairs and they're not getting up. And you don't realize why. The Bible says Samson wist not that the Holy Spirit had left him. And he got up like he used to, to break the chains, but this time there was no miracle. May we find our way again and again back to the secret place. 1 Corinthians 2.9 in closing. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2.9. And we're tying into sermons from last week and Wednesday and, and so forth. We're tying in 1 Corinthians 2.9. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them which love him. Look at the beginning of the verse. As it is written. Who wrote that? Isaiah. Isaiah wrote, who can know the mind of God? Isaiah wrote that because in the Old Testament, they had a veil. But in the New Testament, we have an invitation here by Paul to come and know the mind of God. If you have the Spirit of God, you can know the thoughts of God. Because the veil has been removed. The Holy Spirit opens up the mind of Christ to us. And the king's glorious privilege is to discover the hidden treasures in the mind of God for your life. The scripture says that his thoughts for us are as numerous as the sand in the sea. And how do you begin to... to to extract, to begin to, to know what God knows about you. Remember I said that it's intimacy that helps you know who you are. Who you are, your identity, 
your prophetic identity, all those thoughts that God has about you are revealed to you through intimacy, through time with the Father. Amen. How can the mysteries of Christ become practical in our lives? We're building there, and we're going to be discussing that. But point number one today is through intimacy, time with God. And that's why we invite the church here to pray with us Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. If you're not an early bird, come tonight with Pastor Augustine. If you can't make it tonight, we have all-night prayer on August 30th. Tuesday night, 9, we have prayer together on Zoom for the shut-in or for the tired. Hallelujah. You don't have to get up and go to church. All these avenues we have to come and pray together. Why? Because the Christian life is meant to be lived in community. We're Two or three are gathered. Jesus didn't say come alone. He said we're two or three are gathered. Because there's an extra grace called the corporate anointing when we gather. Why? Because we're meant to live the Christian life in community. Not just in solidarity. So in solidarity you seek the face of the Father. But in community and in fellowship we've come into a place where under a corporate anointing, Jesus says, there I am in the midst of thee. So we need to pray together, whether it's morning, whether it's night, whether it's on Zoom, all these opportunities we have for us to come together and seek the face of God, to intimately know him, to encounter the waves of the eternal life of God to crash over us and and to perfume us, to change us, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm Bishop Joseph Castillo, and this is Living Proofs Podcast. I know you are blessed and encouraged, and I want to invite you today to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. He died for your sins so you don't have to die in that mucky mire of sin. He had lifted you up, shed his blood so you could be forgiven of everything that you've ever done. And all you need to do is open up the door and let the King of Glory come into your heart with the words of your lips. Repeat after me and God will start a new chapter in your life today. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now just as I am. I am a sinner born in sin. But God, you sent your son to die for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. Wash me in the blood. Forgive my sins. Send your spirit in my heart. From this day forward, I have new life. I have boldness to share the gospel with others. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. 
If you said that prayer, I want you to contact the ministry. You could Facebook us. You could email us. You could Instagram us. We're, we're on all those platforms. Bishop Joseph Castillo. Just go to our Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Email me if you want. Bishop at the RiverChurchTulsa.com. And we'd like to give you a free gift so you can understand this new walk with Christ that God has given you today. It's my book called Reality or Religion, The Beginner's Guide to Faith. We'll send you a copy. If this broadcast has blessed you, I want you to share it with others. And I want you to also partner with our ministry. Help us carry the good news of the gospel across the earth. And you can do so at theriverchurchtulsa.com or asiarevival.com. Once again, that's asiarevival.com or theriverchurchtulsa.com. If you need prayer, feel free to call us at 773-599-7197.